Now then, um, so this is great. So we've got about 20 people here, and uh, we've just been having a chat about the book and uh, discussed why he sort of talked about being lucky man and this sort of thing. Welcome to the Practical Neurology Book Club. That's peer editor Phil Smith you can hear there. Every couple of months, he gathers a crew of registrars into a Cardiff living room to explore neurology in literature. This time, there's a sprinkling of Hollywood sparkles to proceedings as they're discussing Michael J. Fox's memoir, Lucky Man. Fox, of course, being the multi-award-winning actor, comedian, voiceover artist and producer, whose hits include Back to the Future and Spin City. I suppose we wanted to know, we read a lot about you in the book as well, and we wanted to know uh, what you thought about... Joining them via Skype is Fox's neurologist from the Brigham and Women's Hospital, Alan Roper. In strolled one day a very unassuming, uh, young, very short, slight, thin fellow, obviously Fox, uh, with a backpack slung over his shoulders, wearing jeans, sat down threw his backpack on the floor and said, call me Mike. And what he wanted was to, he had been seen by all the glitterati physicians in New York. He wanted to know, he wanted to understand the illness. And he had a singular problem. And that problem was that his hand shook so much that he couldn't read the Wall Street Journal when he was on the can in the morning. And it drove him crazy. He wanted it fixed. So that's how we established that relationship. It's now well known that Fox has Parkinson's disease. But for seven years after his diagnosis, he hid it from the public. Hugh Morris is a professor of neurology at Queen Square and an authority on young onset Parkinson's. And talking to Phil about the book, he picked up on the memoir's insights into disclosing illness. I think another aspect which is really interesting, which I think is um, particularly relevant to early onset Parkinson's disease patients who are in work and maybe have a lot of family commitments is the way that he described handling the diagnosis in that initially the diagnosis, he kept the diagnosis a complete secret and didn't tell anyone that he'd been diagnosed as having Parkinson's disease. And gradually there came a point when he did you know, come out with the diagnosis and tell his work colleagues um, and the wider public about the diagnosis. And I think that those are two phases that many Parkinson's disease patients have, in that initially when they might have quite minimal symptoms, you know, occasional tremor, uh, Michael J. Fox describes sitting on his hands to try and suppress the tremor. I think that's something that many patients recognise, trying to disguise the, the symptoms from their work colleagues and maybe you know, distant family members as well. And then there coming a point when they have to come out with the diagnosis and to explain what's been happening to them. Clearly, if, if you're in the, in the public eye, the, the impact of doing that is is massive, but that kind of magnifies, you know, 100 times, if you like, what it means to come out with diagnosis. But I think that, that journey of um, patients in recent diagnosis is something that many patients will, will um, recognise and associate with, and also the relief, actually, of telling other people that's what diagnosis is and the relief of, of, of having an explanation then um, for the symptoms that, it, that he had. It was a key point in the book, but it, but it was more than a relief with him. It, it, it almost made him feel he was a lucky man, that, that he no longer had to conceal this and he could, he could be open with people and uh, 
that uh, he felt that this put him in a, a stronger position than other people who'd not had to face up to that sort of problem. Catherine Harding is a clinical lecturer in Cardiff and leader of the book club. And she was struck by how Fox managed his symptoms around his acting work. Well, I hadn't really thought about how closely they had to time the administration of their drugs. And so he gives some very nice descriptions of trying to count backwards from when he's supposed to be being filmed and therefore work out where the timing of his drugs is. And although most of our patients aren't going to be, you know, on TV or being filmed of any kind, they're still going to have important things that they want to try and be minimally symptomatic for, if you like. And so really trying to work out a schedule of drugs and, and therapies that might be helpful for a patient and not be too complicated for them to take, but also allow them to do things they want to do. Look, he's got a profession and uh, he's very committed to it and it's highly, highly remunerative and um, he's going to do it anyway. So I tried to set uh, some limits on it and then let him loose. Most Parkinson patients, I think you'd agree, know their illnesses very, very well. But, sure. but do, do, has it changed the way that you might have um, uh, allowed other people to do the same thing? Because uh, he, you know, he was in a position almost to call the shots with you. Uh, yeah. uh, whereas perhaps other people might be more have been more deferential to, to you know uh, and, and just obey you, you know, comply with you if you like rather. Well, I not that I needed this experience with Fox, but um, I have always been sensitive to the patient's rhythm and uh, needs, and I, I my I have no preconceived notions about the right way to use the medication. So I try to get the patients to keep a diary and then ask them what they need, yeah. uh, in large part, guiding them by trying to limit dyskinesias and make them symptomatically better when they need to be symptomatically better. So there are a lot of people who need to be presentable for a business meeting, and uh, I give them the liberty of taking whatever they need in order to step up to the plate, as, it's, as they say. Who's got a question for uh, Dr. Roper? Want to... Uh... Duncan McLaughlin is going to ask you a question. Can you yell it out? Yeah, you may or may not be able to go into great detail about this, but I just wondered why you opted or why you ended up as a you know joint decision going for the thalamotomy rather than the DBS or rather than tranquil medication because you alluded to it earlier in your yeah. discussion. I'm, I'm just I'm intrigued. Keep in mind, at the time, DBS was relatively new here, very few people were doing it and fewer people were doing it well. That's number one. He needed something um, that would be quick, dependable, safe, and unilateral because his tremor was really predominantly on one side. Furthermore, he did not want appliances or wires or anything of that sort. So the struggle at that time was if we did a thalamotomy and relieved his tremor, he had very tremor-predominant disease early, virtually no uh, rigidity or uh, bradykinesia, very little, a little bit of hypomimia maybe. Um, so we investigated whether that would preclude doing DBS of the pallidum, and it did not. Uh, and the reason pallidum is that our local surgeons here, that's what they were doing. So that was the benchmark. So once we had concluded together that it didn't obviate the use of DPS later, um, it seemed like the right thing to do. 
but it was tough. Uh, many, many neurologists uh, on the East Coast in Boston and neurosurgeons were, uh, spoke to the press publicly about how stupid this was. And I had to zip my lip because we had arrived at this conclusion very systematically, very gradually and purposefully. And it was the right thing to do. And you know, he got almost five or six years of tremor relief on minimal or no medications. Uh, he was on no cinnamon, no L-dopa for many, many years after that. And uh, was a great decision, it ends up. Despite the challenges, Fox pushes his diagnosis in the book as a positive thing, making him a lucky man. Here's Hugh Morris again. There's quite a contrast in the book, which obviously he, I think he must consciously be making in the book. There's quite a contrast in his life before the diagnosis, in which, as I say, everything was done for him. He was very wealthy, he was very successful, um, you know, had a feeling that he could do no wrong. And he, he mentioned actually not having to pay for things. So that, you know, saying I think he liked a pair of trainers and all of a sudden being sent 100 pairs of trainers through the post just to, just to play, you know, which is something that many of us would like to have free, you know, this sort of a life of free trainers and free lots of other things. And, and actually there are two parts of the book that he frames in a sort of redemptive way. One actually is giving up drinking alcohol, but he also frames being diagnosed as having Parkinson's disease as being redemptive in that he gave his life some purpose that was outside the purpose that he had in terms of entertaining people, making TV shows and uh, movies. And I think that that's why the book's called Lucky Man. Um, I think for Parkinson's disease patients, people with Parkinson's disease that I've spoken to, they find that slightly difficult in terms of framing Parkinson's, the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease in a redemptive in a redemptive light, because obviously for the vast majority of people, diagnosed, being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease is a bad thing to happen, which has, may have terrible effects on their life and their livelihood, and Michael J. Fox is clearly a very privileged position. It obviously did, has helped him in his approach to life, taking things on a day-to-day basis, you know, valuing time with his family, valuing what he can achieve on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, it, it obviously has changed his mindset in a positive way. He clearly feels there's some advantage to him, perhaps in being a different sort of person and having had this diagnosis. What do you think patients are going to think about this book? I think you could see us as being overly optimistic in some ways. And, you know, he he says that although he has this diagnosis, it's changed him and it's made him what he is and it rescued him from alcoholism, for example. And I can see in a certain frame of mind that maybe that might be helpful, but in other frames of mind that might not be. And, but the other thing is that, you know, despite him being enormously famous, enormously lucky with his family and his, you know, having lots of money and a great job and all these sorts of things, he still is affected by this and, you know, this can affect anybody and really have a significant effect on how you work and what you do and maybe it makes you feel a bit less alone. And in many ways the book is for patients, not the super fans. He is not one of these people, I think, who dwells on looking for great meaning in life, but he really did want to do something substantial. And as you can imagine, uh, everyone is after him for something. They want him to endorse a product. They want him to, you know, write something for their jacket cover. But mainly, of course, they want his money because he's rather wealthy. Uh, He decided to start this foundation. The purpose of this book 
was to launch that foundation. I think a lot of patients find it very positive and helpful looking at the Michael J. Fox Foundation website, which talks about research and you know takes a very positive approach to developing new treatments, raising money for Parkinson's research, which I, I think I think will be enormously helpful in terms of generating new treatments. But actually, even before that happens, is very helpful in generating positive attitudes amongst people with Parkinson's, people doing research with Parkinson's, and and obviously having a positive attitude, I think, is um, is very important for Parkinson's patients and also researchers. Both, you know, basic science research and clinicians who are working on Parkinson's disease. It's been tremendous speaking to you. Thanks very, very much for uh, coming into our living room. And uh, thanks very much. You better get back to clinic now. But thanks ever so much for joining thanks, us. Really kind of you. Thank you.